You're listening to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast for technical communicators to learn tips, news, concepts, and other relevant information related to the wonderful field of technical communication. I hope you're listening to this podcast as you drive to work or drive home or working out at the gym, and hope that you are enjoying the other shows that we publish. We're online at techwritervoices.com, and you can subscribe to email updates so that when I publish a new podcast, you can be notified. Today's podcast is titled Building Online Communities, an interview with Svi Ben Elliott about Elephant. Now, Elephant is the name of the forum that we're going to be focusing on, and I'll explain later a little bit about Elephant. Basically, Elephant is a Hebrew acronym for the Yokneum Forum of Technical Writers. So if you speak Hebrew, it probably uh, translates into something catchy. But even even if you don't speak Hebrew, basically, um, an elephant, they say, leaves a large footprint, and so it has with the Israeli technical writing community. Before we get into this podcast, we have a brief message from our new sponsor, Madcap Flare. So I'm just going to briefly talk about uh, Madcap Flare, and then we'll come right back to the podcast. Madcap Flare is the most versatile XML-based help authoring tool on the market. Madcap Flare has quickly become the new industry standard in help authoring and single-source publishing. With thousands of customers using Madcap products, including Microsoft, Google, HP, GE, Yahoo, and the list goes on. Flare is the first true single-sourcing application with the ability to import and export both Microsoft Word and Adobe FrameMaker formats. In fact, in fact, Madcap Flare enables you to import all of your legacy content. Import Microsoft Word documents, Adobe FrameMaker documents, HTML documents, RoboHelp projects, and even HTML help projects from other tools. Madcap Flare will convert them all to XML format, including direct HTML to XHTML conversion. Flare stores all content and, and project files as XML files, making Flare projects completely open, transparent, and accessible. Because of this architecture and the fact that it uses the latest MSFT technology makes it unlikely, unlike any other tool on the market. It is future-proof and will eventually support additional uh, schemas such as DITA, SD1000D, and anything else customers and industry trends demand. All right, back to the podcast. How did I come across Svi? He's located in northern Israel, and I found a paper he had written that he posted on the Tech Whirler Listserv blog. So I read it. At the time, I was really interested in document version control because I had a project that had tons of different versions of documents, and it was making my head spin. And I thought it would be a good idea to do a podcast on this topic. But after I contacted Svi, he told me more about Elephant. And it actually seemed like a more interesting idea. So we decided to go with it. Now, Elephant's main feature is simply to empower technical communicators in Israel about relevant salary information to make them more market savvy when they're negotiating jobs. But they also have other services too, such as offering job listings, presentations, courses, events, and of course their blog. You can visit them, visit them online at elephant.org.il. And you can check it out. Um, we'll talk more about what they, what tool they use to create that as well. Now, just so you know, the connection on this phone wasn't exactly perfect, but that's what happens when you 
call across the world using Skype. If you have any comments on this podcast or just want to give feedback or recommendations for future podcasts, I love to hear comments. Send them to Tom at TechWriterVoices.com. And also note that I have a blog at I'dRatherBeWriting.com that sometimes uh, I sometimes talk about these topics as well. So I, I hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to pass on this URL and podcast to other people in your STC chapter or in your region. All right. Enjoy the show. Sounds like you uh, you have quite a, a gathering over there. Yeah, well, when uh, my kids get together with their cousins, they have a great time. <laughs> so where exactly are you located? I live in northern Israel, but I'm in Jerusalem right now. Now, are you from Jerusalem, or did you move there? No, I, I moved there. I don't live in Jerusalem. I'm, I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, northern no, that's Israel. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, for you, Israel is, you know, Jerusalem or whatever, and it is a small country. Um, but two or three hours travel time in Israel is considered like going from, I don't know, Kansas City to St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> no, I was just wondering if you're from the region or if you had... Uh... No, I was originally born, I was born and raised in Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, okay, okay. So now I've been checking out this elephant.org site and it's it's pretty impressive and you are the founder of this site. Can you tell me a little bit about it and its purpose? Well, first of all, I shouldn't take all the credit. It it started in a meeting at my house, but it wasn't only me. Um basically, it's it's difficult to explain. It it began as a way to to network when a group of technical writers were out of jobs and there just weren't too many jobs at all, and we were finding a way to compete with the technical writing companies who had all the connections, and by the time we would uh, we would find out about the job, they had already uh, signed some type of contract, and then they would just subcontract it out, and you would make that much less. That's how it began, uh, we, but we quickly worked with the technical writing companies and anybody that wanted to join, and the idea was to uh, help each other and help match uh, companies with uh, with writers. One of the biggest problems uh, in Israel has been that the the image of the technical writer is not as good as it should be because the, the previous technical writer might not have been right for the job and you already come in and they're not expecting too much from you. Or when you're negotiating for salary, they say, well, this is all you can do. After they've had someone who's good, if they're looking for someone else, it's a whole different world. Now, part of it is that there are people who are not really technical writers and not good at it who are doing the job. And part of it is that the technical writers in Israel are so different that one may be great at company A and terrible at company B, and another writer will be just the opposite. Hmm. So you, you emphasize the salary uh, information quite a bit in your organization, right? Is that one of the key core focuses in Elephant? I don't know if it's a core focus, but it's been a problem for years because this is the type of thing that uh, people, everybody wants to know, but nobody's willing to tell anyone. And when you're looking for a job or you're negotiating for salary, you're in the blind. Now, many of the companies pay a lot of money and they also give information to a service that we as technical writers can't find out about. So the negotiations are pretty lopsided. As far as freelancers go, and even the technical writing companies, everybody's in the blind. 
because uh, nobody was collecting this information, and you would try to bid on a job, and you had absolutely no idea. So what would happen is that sometimes companies were overpaying, especially during the recession. They would they didn't know how to compare technical writers because we're sort of uh, an aw- we're sort of oddballs as it is, and it's it's something that nobody really knows what to do with us. And so they would compare on price. And so they would take the cheapest person, even if he really wasn't appropriate for the job, and so they were overpaying for what they got. Then there were other cases where technical writers would really be underpaid, and it wasn't that the employer was trying to uh, really get the cheapest, really just bargain you down to nothing and, and not pay a fair rate. They were very happy to pay a fair rate. They just don't know what it is. And the same was for technical writers. Many of them, they would feel frustrated because they knew or they would hear what other people were making. They feel they're making much less than they should be making. And nobody was too happy with that, but everybody was afraid to share this information. When the Yokonam form, which is the forerunner to the to elephant, or it's another name for it, began, for whatever reason, people were willing to share this information. And we helped each other find jobs. And knowing what to bid, you know, if you if you bid way too high, they won't consider you. If you bid too low, that's suspicious too. If you bid within a range that's reasonable, then you can get the job based on merit. Hmm. And, and as people began sharing this information informally, and, and more of the people who were connected with it were... Um, getting jobs and, and getting out of the recession faster, other people started being a little bit more open and sharing this information. And it's an important issue, but it's not everything that Elephant is all about. Now, I'm just curious. Let's say you have five writers at the same company. If they all know each other's salary information, does that create any kind of issue within the same company? First of all, in high tech, uh, the companies do not like you sharing, knowing what your neighbor is making. And the information that's shared, I end up seeing all the information, but the information that I give out, I don't tell you what Joe is making. But I can tell you what the average or the median or the 75 percentile or for a certain geographic area, what those numbers are. So how do I I have access to all the specific information, and when people were sharing information, they usually weren't sharing it with somebody that was working at the same company. In general, they weren't doing it for some reason. The meetings at at, at the Oaknum Forum or at Elephant created some type of atmosphere that people were willing to share this information. How how do they submit their salary information to you? Do they do this online or, or how? Okay, they do this online. We began really doing it by email. And then as I set up the site, I began setting up a mechanism where you could uh, submit it. But it is not anonymous in that I see it. It's confidential. Nobody else knows what anybody's making or even who's participating. And if it, and it's a small community, so I know many of the writers or I've heard of them. Uh, and if it's somebody that they don't, the information seems strange, I give them a call. Uh, and I can find out if somebody is a technical writer. I can ask other people, but I don't tell them everything 
that this person is telling me, but I have a way to confirm that it's a real person and they're really working. And the information seems to jive with what I'm getting from other people or if something is strange. In many cases, it's that they didn't quite understand the question or that their salary arrangements are a little bit different than everybody else's. So I have to ask them, what did you mean by this? Or one of the most important issues is the value of a company car because this is a big part of salary. It's very common in Israel that you get a company car. Part of it has to do with tax benefits. Uh, And it used to be a benefit only for higher managers in addition to salary. In the last few years, they've allowed other people, like technical writers and many of the engineers, to give up a certain amount of their salary and get a company car, which is leased. And the company's not really making a business out of it. They're finding a way that they can pass on the tax benefits because it's not really taxed at its full value. But the employee could not get if he leaves the car by himself. But it's a big part of salary. So if one person is making $4,000 and not taking a car, and another one is earning... $3,250 a month, they may really be making the same salary because the other person may have been offered $4,000, but he gave up $750 of his salary in return for a car. Yeah. I, I can see how there would be a lot of different variables to consider. I mean, more than just, okay, this person has X number of years of experience and this person... Uh, knows these skills or whatever. There, there's all kinds of variables in, in what people know, what their abilities are, how they, um, their level of ambition and their their awareness of concepts. How do you, how do you uh, match up all these different criteria to try to provide a standard and say, yeah, this is what what uh, this person should make, or how do you deal with the differences? When I started and. The informal sharing of information began about five years ago. It was really by the seat of my pants. And what information did I need to know so that I can negotiate better? That's how we began. Afterwards, as it became more organized and it was more statistical and everything else, I would try different questions and I would see which one seemed to have to to provide uh, differences that made sense. And over time, I narrowed it down to things that also in the field, I speak with different people. As a freelancer, I I compete for jobs, and sometimes I work in-house, so I try to negotiate salary, and I see which things make a difference. And statistically, what seems to make a difference or what traditionally has been considered a, a factor Every once in a while, I will add a question or drop a question to go find out that this is not relevant. This is not relevant. Uh, for example, everybody knows that experience is an important factor. But when I would take the surveys and I would ask by how many years of experience, there were there were a lot of anomalies, and by in and of itself, it didn't tell the story. And so I would, but I knew that it meant something, and you would see some differences, but you would see some oddities because, for example, the five to ten year experience group uh, around the end of the recession 
that the and the beginning of when things started moving seem to be earning more than those with ten plus years experience or those with twenty plus years experience. There happens to be age discrimination in Israel. It's illegal, but it exists. When you start comparing it with that, you see that there's a difference. Also, it depends on what type of experience you have. Just being a technical writer in Israel doesn't mean enough. If you have a technical experience, you have an advantage. If you speak Hebrew fluently, you have an advantage. But there are many technical writers that basically they live only in English, so they have trouble communicating with the engineers. They manage to do it, and they can write well, and they may not have as much technical experience. But in Israel, Hebrew is, is the language spoken here. Many of the engineers know English, but not at a good enough level to write about what they're doing. So some of it is uh, almost a different profession. It's not really translating, but it's being able to write in English. So you can have technical writers that have 10 and 20 years experience, uh, but they're weak technically, and they're weak, uh, they're weak as far as interviewing uh, the engineers because of language problems. On the other hand, there are uh, technical writers with 10 and 20 years experience that they really know what they're talking about technically, or they may be in a certain niche. For example, uh, the medical industry, the high-tech medical, uh, is a special niche that during the recession seemed to be booming, but others couldn't break into it. So I would try and, and find out what factors matched up. One of the factors that I tried taking was additional experience. So far, I've been doing it wrong. So that's one factor. I don't publish uh, what results I get from combined experience until I manage to narrow down what part of the combined experience makes a difference, where the numbers just don't go all over the place from month to month or from quarter to quarter. I'm I'm really impressed at the whole initiative you took to just create a site. I mean, you recognized a need for the salary information. You created a site. What what tool did you use to make it? Okay. Uh, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with Paula Stern of, of RightPoint and TechShowit, but she recommended that I use a certain web host because they have a program NetDoc that it's right on the server. And it works very well because you don't really have to be uh, a webmaster to use it. You don't even need your own web software. I've had my problems with it because it's under development and it's improved a lot. But without it, I couldn't do it. Wait, you mean it's it's on your web host? Is is it any specific platform name? What is the? Okay, NetDoc. N e t d o c. NetDoc. Okay. It's developed. Yeah, it's developed by someone in in Finland, I believe. And the, the JTF host, uh, web hosting service in Boston uses it. I don't know if anybody else is. So I am locked into that uh, web hosting service, but it's been well worth it. Well, that's good. Okay, so I want to ask you some more information about uh, the salary topic. What, what's the average salary in dollars for a technical writer in Israel? Okay, the average right now is 
$4,400 a month. The median is $4,500. Okay. That's, so that's, I, I know it's expensive to live in Israel. So can technical writers by the way, By the way, this is a, what I call it an adjusted salary in that it, it takes account, it takes in the value of, hold on a minute, this computer is making too much noise, it's going to shut it down. Uh, okay, where was I? Um, I was asking about the average salary of uh, technical writers in Israel, and and then if that salary allowed them to live comfortably. Oh, okay. Yes, it does. Oh, I, I started mentioning that it's the adjusted salary because it takes into account the value of a car, which is more or less what I was telling you about. Uh, and this is an important difference because I told you that there was a company, at least one company in Israel, that does a, a very serious, uh, a very serious salary survey uh, for companies, and they don't break it down that way. But when people uh, use the salary survey and they take that into account, then they're fine because the the numbers appear to jive. Now, how did you manage to to gather up a community? You have quite a number of people on this elephant site, um, which is elephant.org. Dot il right how, how many people are there and how did you build up your community um, well there are 50 dues paying members and there are about 200 that participate in the salary survey and there are about 3,000 unique IDs every month and I think there are, there are also a few hundred that are, are people that for whatever reason can log in so tied to the size of the community uh, it just grew. It really just started with a meeting that was intended to be just a small local group or even just a one-time get-together of people living and working in a small town. Only people from all over called. And it, Can I come? I, I have an uncle that lives just north of there and all kinds of things. Do you mind if I come? And it just grew like that. It's a true grassroots movement. And... And by the time the site was live, there was a core group of, of probably about 50 people. Now, is there an STC chapter over there yes. as well? Or? Yes, there is. Uh, and in many ways, it served not only as, as, a, um, as a local branch of an international organization, but it was sort of the closest thing to a national organization and it was a problem for the STC because there were some that were very international-minded, and then there were some who looked, looked at it, we need things on a national basis. Uh, and during the recession, it was not active. I think the vacuum is one of the reasons for the growth of Elephant. Since then, the STC has, has rejuvenated itself, Hopefully, Elephant has been a, a catalyst for this. Well, what other services does Elephant provide besides the salary information? Okay. Uh, one of them is we have networking meetings and workshops. They're all free. You don't have to be a member. Uh, but you're expected to bring some type of refreshment. Do you get a lot of people who attend these physical gatherings? Usually, it comes to about 20 people. 
we've had as few as about seven, and we've had as many as 60 or 70. Wow. Um, let's see. You, you, uh, you made a distinction um, between contractors, direct contractors, and, and other types of people. Um, who, who gets paid the most over there? And what are, the, what are these differences? Okay, first of all, the top, the high-end salaried employees are probably making as much or more than the high-end freelancers or, well, they're more or less together. And the, the reason that I make a distinction between independent contractors and freelancers in general it's because many of the freelancers, many of the freelancers are basically working as subcontractors. And there's a big difference between the amount that you can earn as an independent contractor, which means that you're billing the client directly, and working as a subcontractor for a small technical writing company, which is probably the equivalent of an agency in the States. It's very difficult uh, to make those connections. So to make that jump from being a subcontractor to being a direct contractor, uh, the existence of Elephant has made it much, much easier for people to make that jump. This is kind of an overall question here. Do you think that uh, – it seems like a lot of the salary information is, is very specific to the region you're at, right? Um, do you think that other groups in other parts of the world who have a need for this uh, to find out the, the real salaries – do you think they could start a group like yours and have the similar success? Certainly. And if anybody is interested, I'd be very happy to help them. Okay. Okay. It, do they just set up a site and, and go from there? I mean, what, what would be their initial steps there? Well, first of all, there are two things. One is setting up a local organization, and the other is setting up a site. Setting up the site, I strongly recommend the software that I use, NetDoc because it's relatively easy to do a lot of things. On the other hand, if it's a web-savvy person, eh, they may want to set it up differently. But for someone who's not web-savvy, it's a great program, great way to do it. And as far as building community, do they just start contacting their friends or what? Um, I began simply with uh, announcing a meeting on a mailing list, it's the Israeli equivalent of Tech World. Uh, just invite people and, and be as open and as helpful as you can. That's the real secret. All right, Svi. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. The connection wasn't so great. I hope the audio is still okay. We'll see when I, when I uh, take a look at the, how it recorded. But uh, I hit most of the questions that I wanted to ask, and I really appreciate you taking the time while you're over at your brother's house to to do this podcast 